Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. and sing Heavenly Sunshine. Is there anyone here that has never heard Heavenly Sunshine? Put your hand up. Never heard it. Well, I'm going to have to have you sing a solo, I believe, with you. <laughs> I think just one person put their hand up in this great group here. Now, all together, you sing through, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible. All together. Heavenly That was just fine. I know it went out beautifully.
in these strenuous, perilous times. May you come unto him today and receive him as your personal Savior, for he's softly and tenderly calling you to come.
we bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as thy word goes out today, and as these wonderful soul-stirring, soul-feeding messages in song have gone out, may those that are tossed to and fro and tossed about no peace to the wicked, like the troubled sea casting up mire and dirt. May the Holy Spirit speak to them right now, and may they come through the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and being justified by faith, have peace with thee. God bless those hearts today that are sorrowing, those that are discouraged, those upon beds of illness, and especially we pray for the servicemen, wherever they may be today, and out in Korea, in different places. God bless them in the homes from which they've come, and comfort mother and father's hearts in these days of separation, when the loved ones are absent. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message for today is titled, The Sword of the Spirit. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. open to the sixth chapter of Ephesians, the latter part of the seventeenth verse, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sixth chapter of Ephesians, especially verses eleven to eighteen, unveils the grim, stern reality of the believer's constant spiritual warfare, a vast host of spiritual wickedness 
is arrayed against the believer. And this great host of wickedness is under the skillful leadership of Satan, the god of this present world system. This personage is also called the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in all the children of disobedience. There's your explanation of wars and rumors of wars and social injustices and all that is wrong. It's sin. In face of this never-ceasing, cruel, and bitter spiritual warfare, the believer is exhorted to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, to fight the good fight of faith, to endure unto the end, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And to do this, the believer must put on the whole armor of God. And that armor is described in Ephesians 6, 4 to 18. Here we find the military belt or the girdle of truth, the breastplate or coat of mail of righteousness, our feet being shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and then the helmet, all for defensive warfare. But today, Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit for both defensive and offensive warfare. Please bear in mind that Paul, familiar with the Roman soldiers' battle equipment used in that day, leads one from the known to the hitherto unknown, or to the spiritual, reminding us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And may our hearts now burn within us as we meditate upon God's provision for us who are are thus engaged in this present great spiritual warfare. May we turn, therefore, to God's holy word and see reflected therein how not only the captain of our salvation skillfully used the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, but that the saints of old fought and won, becoming more than conquerors through him that loved them and gave himself for them. First of all, our Lord, the most skillful of all spiritual warriors. How instructive and how encouraging to see how he met the enemy of men's soul. And so turn in your Bibles quickly to the fourth chapter of Matthew, beginning at the third verse. And we see how he learned obedience to the things he suffered and how he skillfully used the sword of the Spirit. It's right after his baptism uh, at the River Jordan, beginning his public ministry, when the tempter, Matthew 4, 3, when the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. Remember, he had been in the wilderness forty days and forty nights a hunger. But he answered and said, Now will you notice it, please? It is written. There's the secret of it. It is written in the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and seateth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If 
trying to throw doubt and bring in a division between him and the Father. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. He misquoted scripture. You look it up in the Old Testament. Jesus said unto him, here it is, it is written again. Now notice it. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Afterwards, again, the devil taketh them up into exceeding high mountains and show them all the kingdoms of this world system and the glory of them. Christ did not deny that Satan was the, wasn't the God of this age. He saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. And friends, right there we have the secret of spiritual warfare, to know the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And the Lord Jesus met and conquered the leader of the vast host of wickedness. Now he meets the outward workings of spiritual wickedness. For in John the fifth chapter, in verses beginning at the second verse, we find these words. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of the blind, the halt, the withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And then down to the fifth verse, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that gate, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Now notice how he used the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to bring light, quickening power. He saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Now notice again in the 11th chapter of John, I'll not have you turn to it, but Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was dead. His body was in the tomb four days. Corruption had set in, and here was the Lord, the captain of our salvation in pace of the result of the enemy called death, standing outside of that tomb, having the stone rolled away, he cries out with a loud voice, using the Word, the living Word, speaking in power, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth, walking a miracle, bound in the grave clothes. And the great and awful enemy called death met 
the conqueror in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in your Bibles, turn to Second Samuel, the 23rd verse, and let us look into the Old Testament for just a few moments. You find the same record in First Chronicles 11. We find there in the Old Testament a catalog of David's mighty warriors. Now David, the king, one of the outstanding foreshadows and prefigures of Christ the coming king. We see David in humiliation, walking with bent shoulders and sorrowing eyes up to Mount of Olives. The kingdom divided, later coming back in glory as king over the united twelve tribes. What a beautiful picture of Christ in his humiliation and his coming back someday as the king of kings. But now you notice there at the 8th verse of Second Samuel 23, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And perhaps you read them over and you stumble over the pronunciation and you don't realize that back in every one of those names, if you'll look into the meaning, you'll find a, a, oh, a bed of golden spiritual nuggets, rich in teaching. And here it is. Just give you a little example. There is Adano, the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And the very name Adano means to be sharp, cutting. He lifts up his spear and at one time, one man slays 800 of the enemy. God give us courage to stand against the enemy with the word of God. That's what we need. He knew how to use the sword. Typical of the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. A sharp cutting sword reminding us of Hebrews 4.12. Listen, for the Word of God is quick, life-giving, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank God that He's laid upon my heart to just preach the Word and leave the other things go. For it's the Word that does the business, not my preaching. And after Adonai comes Eliezer, the son of Dodo, and there his name talks about his genealogy. And that word Eliezer means God is my helper. Here is one strong, typically speaking, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the word Dodo means to boil, to be on fire. Speaking that Eliezer created in his father's likeness or carrying over the characteristics of his father's likeness was on fire fiery in his uh, attitude towards the enemy. And he was energetic, unmovable, always abounding 
in the work of the Lord. Notice verse 9, what he did. And when they defied the Philistines, and the Philistines speak of the works of the flesh, notice that were gathered together to battle, the men of Israel were gone away, afraid of them. But one man stood against the enemy and kept the ground uh, fruitful ground and thereby did not perish, but he guarded and preserved, typically speaking, the bread of life. All oh, this one man to stand a foreshadow. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Now notice. Let's go over, well, the twelfth verse. I can't help but give it to you. But he stood. This is another party. The Shammah of verse 11. And the word Shammah means consternation. A foreshadow of one who will bring consternation uh, to the enemy. Notice what he did in verse 12. He stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. Listen to me carefully. You're going to have all the sayings of men. You can read all the books of human authors. You can go to the finest of human literature, and it will never, never in all the world convert a soul. It's only when the Word of God is given does it bring conviction and prick the hearts and conscience. May we learn that lesson and not be taken up with secondary things. Let's turn to the 26th of Matthew quickly. Peter, before Pentecost, bless his dear heart, impetuous Peter, he got to the point where he wanted to use a carnal weapon. The Lord rebuked him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. He was going to fight for the Lord, and he struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword. My warfare is not carnal in so many words. But wait. Turn to the second chapter of Acts and see Peter after Pentecost. And if you'll read Peter's sermon in that second chapter of Acts, you'll find it chock full of quotations from the Old Testament, from the Word of God. And the result in verse 37, now notice it, of Acts 2. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked by the sharp, piercing sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, in their hearts, not their heads. They said unto Peter and to the men, the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent! That's what we need. Away with your nice flowery sermons that never even go as high as the ceiling. That just roll off like water off the duck's back. What we need is to preach the word to prick the hearts of men and their conscience and to bring you to conviction and tell you on the authority of God's word that unless you've received Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, lost, a soul separated, alienated from God, lost for all eternity. 
unless you repent. Turn to the 14th chapter of Acts for just a moment. Just in passing, how Paul met all of the various attacks of Satan by using the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. I can't go into it. I haven't time. But listen, in that 14th chapter, he preached at Lystra and Derby, and uh, a miracle took place. A man was wonderfully healed. He hadn't walked from the day of his birth. In 11th verse of the 14th chapter, and when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, The gods are come down. And I tell you, one of the most subtle attacks of the enemy is flattery and the prospect of power and prestige and being lifted above your fellow men. What did Paul do? He said, Listen. They wanted to call Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury. And they said, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea that all there is. How are you going to meet Satan, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, unless you know the book. Come down to the book and slay those things with the sword of the Spirit. And how Paul, bless his heart, he went to the, wrote to the Corinthian church, skillful in the use of the word, and he pricked the hearts of the Corinthian believers. He said, I determine to know nothing among you, save Christ and Him crucified, and the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. And listen, put away sin. Put away that fornicator. Put him out! Have no fellowship with the works of darkness. And then in Galatians, he said, I tell you, Galatians, that the revelation I received, the gospel, I received it not from man, but from heaven. And I tell you, Galatians, though an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received from me, let him be damned. That's pretty strong words. Now I close with this. The 19th chapter of Revelation. The Lord Jesus is coming in power and in great glory. And in the 19th chapter, beginning at the 11th verse of Revelation, is a pre-picture or a description of His coming in power and great glory. And will you listen to it carefully? And you who are uncovered and not clothed with the robe of God's righteousness in Christ Jesus, you yourself will personally experience the piercing power of the Word of God and you'll not be able to stand in the day of judgment. Believe me, He's coming to execute judgment. Let me read it to you. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat up him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and the name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses clothed in fine linen 
white and clean. Now notice, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he might smite the nations, and the nations that are forgetting God, and godless, Christless, and Christ-hating, will be smitten someday when the Prince of Peace comes, and every nation that forgets God will be cast into everlasting darkness. I must close. Friend of mine outside of Christ, dare you go another moment without coming under the sheltering shed blood of the Lord Jesus? Come now. He's not willing that any should perish. God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Will you come? And to you here in this visible audience, I'll have to prolong the altar service at the close. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye. God's richest blessing upon you.